Hello folks and welcome to What's The Scene. This is the show about shows, or more accurately, a podcast about movies. I'm Adam Jacobs and join me and Jonathan Hewitt as we look through the lens at some landmark films, and by lens I mean the bottom of a red wine glass. You can play along, see if you can guess What's The Scene. Yes, there are more films. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this podcast. Is that that's more or less how the maths works? I think, doesn't it? I think so. Uh, the, um, the the more podcasts, yeah. the more films, the more pod- podcasts you get, folks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The podcast you love with films, it. eating podcasts, eating film. It's like a Pac-Man. And the more films they make, the more podcasts we can do. Actually, they should have a Pac-Man that's just a figure of eight, Infinity Pac-Man. I'm sure they probably do. But that's a Marvel film. It's a different concept. Well, it ends up eating itself, (laughs) which is the nature of all entropic enterprises like this show. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's just energy consumed, energy conserved. And energy left to do other work, and that's where we step in. All right, folks, you you are listening to Adam Jacobs, John Hewitt, and we are the Tipsy Critics. We're looking through the lens at films that may or may not have necessarily the necessaries of the necessary, and make passing comment accordingly. The sort of films that you may have seen, you thought, "Oh, should I ever see that again?" Mm-hmm. And we ensure that you probably don't. That's exactly right. And with with tonight's film, especially, not that we're necessarily recording this. Uh, this podcast at 9.30 at night in Australia or anywhere uh, as such. Austria, Austria. Austria. uh, Well, we can't go there. COVID's come back there again or something. No, that's why we're trapped here. Well, I am anyway. That's a good point. uh, Yes, Mm. I'm thinking I'm eating strudel and having uh, red wine and talking about this lovely film. Which we're going to introduce. And this is not a film that you possibly – well, if you do sit down to watch this with your partner – uh, same, same sex or otherwise, mm. be prepared to learn something about their sense of humour. Is that fair oh, enough? I, I guess so. It, it, it is a really wacky movie, this one. It is um, It is built – you couldn't write this. Therefore, <laughs> they, they had to turn um, to reality. It actually happened. It was a bank job that happened in 1972. And I'm thinking it happened. We're back you, – you know where we're back. Well, almost. Adam, we're back in, we're back in Gotham. Will we ever leave Gotham? This is the sort of Gotham room service. It's Bronx. It's not not New York. It is is, the Bronx, but it's a borough. It is a borough. We'll call it uh, Gotham. We'll call it New York. It happened in 1972. The film was made in 1975. And uh, I think I probably saw it in 1976 when I was very, (laughs) very, very young. (laughs) Sounds about right. Hmm. Well, now... This uh, we're seeing. Obviously, this is what's the scene. This is the podcast, mm. folks. This is a show about shows, or a podcast about movies. However, you want to look at it, and we do have to introduce the scene, give away some clues, give you a chance to guess. Yeah, that's part of the part let, of fun. Before we let the bag have its way with the cat. Mm. Uh, <laughs> now, I will say this: there is a box fit for. A collection of long-stemmed roses. roses. Um, yes, that's what I will say. Yeah. And but those of you who are thinking box, long stem rose box, bank, maybe a robbery. Yes, you, you're putting it together. Possibly. Well done. Congratulations, you. Possibly long enough for a rifle. Who knows? Possibly. Or long stem roses, (laughs) which uh, carried into said bank, which is in the Bronx, in Gotham, Mm. uh, by our hero. 
uh, and uh, we see it carried in there. And uh, oh, well, we but, but prior to that, um, we we have all of these lovely shots of New York of people acting normally. They and are very much very very nineteen. You've got you've got normal. you've got to wait for about seven or eight minutes. This is the longest intro to a film ever because you have all these people playing chess and uh and doing um you know um italian things or you know whatever uh mm. you know multicultural uh, tasks it is a very multicultural film and then suddenly we get into the bank and we think what the hell is happening here this film is not like a film uh, i will say straight away there's no music to it in the entire movie Yes, clock, that's... clock that. There was no music in it. There's probably a bit of a song at the start. It's meant to be a very hot day. It's possibly they call um, hot days dog days in uh, in uh, in Europe and America as well. They're just so hot that uh, they call dog days. Oh, and we're course, really giving it away. Oh, now. I think. I, well, I think so. And it's a it's a, uh, it's a morning. It is a morning now. <laughs> it's a dog day morning. <laughs> it's a dog day morning. <laughs> All right, we can't we can't do better than that. Uh, we can't do better than that. Yes, folks, we are talking about classic, iconic film, as we always do. Dog Day Afternoon. afternoon. Yes. Yes. Delight. No, it's not called Dog Day Afternoon Delight. It's called it's just called Dog Day Afternoon. Yes. It stars El Pacino and the wonderful John Cazale. Oh, John Cazale. Yes, well, we've Beautiful. we've talked about him before. Um, we I think we may have mentioned him in in certain films like uh, Deer Hunter, where he plays um, you know uh, the man who is looks like th that to be hung. He does a little bit, but uh, unlike uh, Deer Hunter, he he's not referring to himself as perfect. Yeah. He um, he's a he's a trigger twitchy i won't say he's trigger happy he's trigger twitchy he's a bit of it he's an ex-vet he's been to vietnam and back again he's your your accomplice uh, and the man who's there and doesn't quite know why he is i think he plays those those uh, acts and roles very well does john gazelle um mm. he's 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 there he's never quite in control and uh, i love him for those but the, you know that that style i'm not oh, in control i'm here i don't know why but I'm here, and uh, he is—he is um, with a gun. Um, yeah, fill us in. He's some sort of semi-automatic sort of. Uh, I think so. It's, a, it's long, like a little. It's got one of those long clips, and you, you, if he if he had a spray, he'd take out he'd take out everyone. I, I think so. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and which he threatens to do, and it, oh, right, okay. Where do we start with this film? Oh, well, gosh, we, well, we have we have started this a long sort of um, series of shots of uh, of normality. It is, in it, New York. You know, it's very very effective, and you know, some of them are live action, and some of them are set shots. Yeah. So, and, and you can tell very subtly the difference between the two. Some are just, you know, uh, uh, literally Gonzo style. The camera's just, you know, stuck out the window of the back of a van or something, and and they're right. capturing people doing the everyday thing and then slowly we see staged shots of the bank's facade and yes and we, we get closer see, to yeah, the, the uh, to the notion can can we say mm. that uh, the director is sydney lumet now sydney lumet i think is very important and in, in, in for all you old people out there he did 12 angry men so he's quite uh, oh, happily yeah, a yeah. naturalist um he did natural uh, uh films and uh that's how he works that's how he rolls this mm. is why there's no soundtrack in this whole film there's no 
music at all. There's, there, there might be a bit of a, a you know, a, chanting. There's some chanting. But there's a rock. Yes, we can do that. Um, that, that that's a bit monotonal. But there's a part of the <laughs> rock and roll uh, song at the start. That's all they had to uh, pay for. Mm, I and, think I think the uh, music union uh, got up in the stink about it. They're like, you know, hey, you got no comp- composer. What's oh, there was hell, 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 hell broke loose. There was talk about writing. Um, it's Attica. Attica's music car. Music Except there was rioting in the streets. Oh, there was. Rather than dancing. <laughs> but we'll get to that. We will. We will. We will get to that. So yeah, that, it's very natural. It's very. It's meant to, I think, be a reasonable representation of what actually happened. And yes, we better remind our listeners. This is based on a true story. Yes, and it happened in 1972. You, in in August 1972. And in fact, what they omitted things from the film that actually make the story even weirder. Which so they the story there was so much weirdness to go into this story, this tr- true event that they literally had to cut, cut some out because they basically said to themselves. You could no, not write. No this. one's going to believe it. No one's going to believe it. This this is one of those uh, films where you know it, it goes back to American writing in the nineteen fifties and sixties, where the uh, where the writers were saying, I think Norman Mailer was saying this: you, you you can't make things up. You've got to be there. It's like Gonzo journalism. You um you, the only way that you can be there to make this real, this this whole crazy American experiment uh, credible. Is to be there, you know, in yourself. So it's got a bit of documentary in it, and and and, uh, and Lumet is, is like that. It's, it's a bit like a fly on the wall. Uh, and actually, you you were making the point before that it's a documentary about documenting something. Well, it is. It's a, and it's a um, it, it's a start of television, and uh, mm. I, I think in this film you you it's see the start it, of the twenty four hour news yes. phenomenon. Yes, that's right, folks. It becomes what, bigger than the event. I mean, the event becomes more than what it wasn't. It, Ron Burgundy. Was. He didn't. He didn't start it. No, no, no this no, no. film is when it actually really started. Because I, I reckon that turn the television on, you could watch the news for the entire fourteen hours at this. Bank saga yes. played out. It's reflexive uh, media, um, you know, circling reality, circling media, circling, um, you know, our, our, our brain buds, and um, and Sydney and Sydney makes a very good job of it because um, he he um, he, uh, it's like Stockholm syndrome all over again. Yeah, there is heaps of that in it, mm. which and, which is which is in itself is quite. But let, uh, let us let us. Um, we're getting ahead of ourselves, so people haven't uh, remembered <laughs> the movie. It was um, it's a, a banker robbery. Um, El Pacino, the great El Pacino, El Pacino is uh, it's yeah. his film. Can it I is. say that? It's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, he's just the way he plays the fraught, the fraught. Fraud is very it. good. Yes. The uh, the wide eyed <laughs> astonishment as as every little thing that starts it all just starts to unravel. Well, let's, got, let's talk about uh, the unraveling. God. And it starts right at the beginning. They're all sitting in the car and they kind of look the business. They're outside the bank, and they and they and they've got this staged approach. One mm. guy enters, then the next guy, three. then the next guy, mm. and it's all sort of tickety boo. And you kind of think, oh yeah, they've picked the end of the day. The shop's winding down. There's no customers. Everything's going to be good. It's going to work work out fine. And then their first, the 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 um, three amigo become two pretty quickly 
when the first guy loses his nerve and says, I've got to so, go home. I'm getting bad vibes about this. <laughs> and they look at each other. There's this lovely long shot. You get to know the bank very well. I mean, the geography is, is uh, it becomes more and more apparent as you go down. The camera shoots backwards and forwards yeah, um, because uh, Lumet makes uh, Pacino run up and down it. But prior to that, uh, the, the youngest accomplice says, I'm getting bad vibes. I've got to go. He's getting what? <laughs> yeah. And so that is the first part of the dog day. It's, it is. It is. The eyes, the... It's the first time his eyes widen. Yeah, his eyes get wide. But I love the way they're standing at the desk. The the And the third guy, I suppose what would say, he's come in as all casual. The other dude, um, Al Pacino, John Cazale character, they are wearing suit and tie. They look the money, don't they? They, they, they do. The other fellow's and, in jeans and with a kind of a, a hippie hair. And uh, yeah, you think yeah. he's not going to make it. And no, he, doesn't. he doesn't make it. But he walks up to walks up to the opportunity card. He says, I'm, I'm losing my nerve. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And Al Pacino just sort of without looking at him and the eyes are popping out of his head already. He goes, <laughs> but it's, but it started already. <laughs> it started Sal's already. Sal's got the gun out. <laughs> Sal's got the gun out. And the way he just says it with that, Sometimes when he wants to, I think he plays for it. Al Pacino can have that a little bit of a, a bit of a draw, draw, draw. What's the I, word it, I'm looking for? It, it says it, it. His words are a little bit yeah, well, muffled, a little bit, a little bit caught up. Yeah, and it's a bit like Dustin Hoffman. He said, "We can't do that thing. He's yeah, got the gun out. Yeah, He's got the yeah. gun out. He's got the same kind, kind of. <laughs> it just has a very innocent Bronx of Brooklyn. I don't know. He's got the gun out already. You can't go." Maybe it's kind of like it's, it's a bit like Rocky. How it's all that, but, uh, like, yeah, yeah. but he, they're just innocent. I'm not going to say that it's sort of dumb or anything, but mm. there's this innocence that he's able to capture in the way that he starts the the panic snow, you know, snowball that turns into the to the massive avalanche that begins <laughs> what, rockets down funny. the mountain at the end of the film. <laughs> But it's it's one of those things that you keep looking at uh, Pacino and think uh, you're keeping that panic in very well. You can tell that uh, he, he's there and he's meant to be a, uh, a Vietnam vet and he takes panic pretty well. And nothing more could go wrong than on this day. This is a dog day. Anyway, he has to let out his um, his young friend. And, and, the, and the beauty of it is at the start is you think, oh, this can't be serious because the fellow says, well, I'm going to take the car. You can't take the car because we've got to get out of here. Well, <laughs> don't leave. Throw me the keys. He does this and suddenly he has to do the thinking for everyone. So he gets, he gets the keys, they shut the door, and then they have to resume with the, you know, uh... the, the monstering of the, of the staff. Now, that, brings to, that brings to the end pretty much the scene that we've chosen. Uh, for the, for the start of the, this podcast, but except to say that. Well, thank you very much, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, that's it. You are now dismissed. <laughs> but at, right at the very end, right? Yes, he does ask the young man for the keys to the car. <laughs> we're going to get out of here. Give me the keys. Give me the, Give keys. Me the keys. Give me the keys. And then and then he's like, he's panicking. Like, I mean, the that's just the way he keeps that. Uh, that table tennis ball in the yeah. air is amazing. But, the, but, but the, the, the one part, the one stunt of the film, I reckon, is that he's got the box. You see, he's, 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 he's uh, we've actually flipped forward to, to uh, the point where he's trying to get the gun out of the box. I think that the, for the for the uh, benefit of viewers, <laughs> audience, is that uh, the funniest part of the whole movie is, and everyone cackles uh, and thinks that this is not serious, is he's got the the uh, box full of roses, 
And I think the funniest, one of the funniest, uh, you know, stunt gags in moviedom or modern moviedom is him trying to get the gun out. He pulls the gun out of the box and uh, then he gets a caught on the, the ribbon on the and ribbon. it goes everywhere <laughs> and he's, he's waggling it about and the box won't, the box won't. And the fact is, there's no one else in the bank because, uh, um, the, you know, everyone's out. He lets a lady with the, the pusher out of the bank. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's the, beautiful. The guard, you know, the black guard leaves, um, you know, and, and allows him. And then he does this stunt and it is just hilarious. And you think, oh, this is going to be a farce. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is. A, well, a comedy of errors. I mean, a very black comedy of errors for sure. That, that That's the whole premise of the film. I can see why it uh, lent itself to to being made into a film so soon after the event because the it really was a film that found for some reason its footing in reality sometimes these things well, happen folks. these uh, these films hit a nerve i think they it went for academy awards you know one two three four five for different mm. reasons certainly not for a music school but, uh, in, <laughs> but for other you know sydney Lumet uh, went up for one and and uh, it, and the editing uh, and obviously the acting and I, we can't tell you the fine details of this because um, they're lost to time. I'm sure you have to look these up. But the, the film is, is uh, it, it is that, that sort of documentary style where you're seeing these uh, two lost. They're, they're lost as soon as they've come in because they, they go in, monster the, uh, the crew, go to the bank. There's no money in it. No, there's no money. They've taken all the all the money's been cleared so out. So we're still box. laughing. <laughs> oh my Everyone god! Everyone laughs at the, I, the, the first uh, maybe twenty minutes. It's a riot yeah, because it it's it's, it's the second half of the film. Up. The second half of the film does slow down, but the funniest the funniest line in the whole film is in the second half. I will have to argue. I will oh, have to argue for that. Right. But we'll get to that in a moment. Now, so. I guess in terms of what's the scene, we're talking about that opening scene, essentially, folks. But we have to remember this is a true story. So mm. everything that has that you see in the film is true. It, it is happen, did mm. happen, and they have omitted some things. Now, you can't go through every little thing and, mm. and pick it apart because there's 14 hours of stuff. And mm. there was certainly the Stockholm Syndrome stuff. The mm. After the event, there were the cashiers and the manager – were very, uh, very affectionate, spoke very affectionately about the two bank robbers and felt that there was a genuine bond with them. They did admit that after 14 hours, tensions were getting somewhat frayed. However, but before they even chose that bank, what they did, these two guys, these three guys, is they sat at home, they sat at the, the our hero's place, I forget his um, actual person's name, but the Al Pacino character, right? They sat at his house and they watched The Godfather. They actually watched. I didn't know that. The Godfather movie. No, that's right. They did. And then, right? This is a good, a good bit. Right? Did they watch Casale in the Godfather movie? They would have, might have done. They could have done. That's quite. Well, there, there we go. I mean, you know, and we... and Al Pacino. But anyway, they watched the original Godfather movie. They were talking about the actual bank robbers, right? The real, the real guys, right? They watched the Godfather movie. Then they got in their car and they had no bank (laughs) in mind in particular, right? So they're driving around the Bronx. Literally, this is what happened in reality. It's not in the film. None of this is in the film. They drove around until they found a bank. They decided because they watched the Godfather that they're going to choose a Chase Manhattan bank. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's what they in the yeah, name. A Chase Bank. So they found a Chase Bank and they, you know, and they busted in there and uh, they handed over a note to the, the cashier uh, that said, um, this is an offer you can't refuse, oh. right? <laughs> They'd actually literally ripped it off from the film. Well, okay. If, if it were Woody Allen, I'm, 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 I have a gub. <laughs> no, no, no it's gun. It's gun. Yeah, but this it's is gub. Anyway, we're going. This is true. This is actually <laughs> what happened. This is actually what happened. So, but then one of them dropped the twelve gauge. What dropped the gun, and it went off in the middle of a bank. So they gathered themselves back up again. Why and, am I laughing? And pissed off back out of the bank, and they managed to actually get away from that. They, they this was still all in the same day. So they they got out of that situation. They found another bank. They burst into that one. Well, they did their thing that they were going to do. They they, you know, their staged little. They walked in there, and one of them recognised the lady there as her as his friend's mother. <laughs> as a, as a no, his mother's mother, one of the mother's best friends or something in the bank. So they thought, no, I can't do this one. So they left that bank, right? So this is two banks already. And one of them have already discharged a firearm in. Upon which, um, you know, the police may have caught on. Yeah. So is the third bank is where we actually start the movie, like in terms of the true story. So that's all of that happened before we even see. Uh, the story begin. In so we're, not talking about, we're, we're not movie. talking about season operators here. It's, it's Bonnie, <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde, is it? No, no, not at all. It's oh, mm. an absolute classic. Now, for those of you who haven't seen the film and you're not convinced yet that you should go and see it, they the the main guy, right, he robs the bank because <laughs> even though he is married to a female and he has two lovely children with this female he's actually unofficially a married to a man also yes who who was who was um married by a priest who was later disbarred yes he, that's right he was yes. defrocked as they say it all comes back to me now yes. yeah he to so he this um lover that that they that he had they unofficially married was really keen for a sex operation sex change operation Leon, Leon was suffering severely with his homosexuality as, as, as it would have been described back in mm. those days. And mm. according to the psychiatrists who were dealing with him because he attempted suicide, they said, to, they, they said to him, you are a woman trapped in a man's body. So he was keen for the sex change operation. So what, what, what's the one thing you really need for a sex change operation? Uh, pass. Uh, an operation. <laughs> uh, you really need money. Money. Yes. So yes. they robbed the bank. The, bank the whole for... thing. The bank was robbed to pay for a sex change operation. People. That's Not, that this, is and true. This, and this is true. 1970. I think this film was was way out there. Oh, I think yeah. um, and Luma, you know, was was going. I think the 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 whole production company and the the uh, this was the start of uh, acceptance. Absolutely, yeah. This this film, there's actually a, a little epilogue kind of. Well, oh, it does. It comes up at the end, and it's, it's expositional. That, um, yes, and that yeah. everyone went to jail for twenty years. One died. Um, one had uh, happily a sex change. Was was uh, happily living uh, with it. 
living uh, in New York, yeah, as a woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, and I thought, well, I guess there's kind of happy ending to it all. Uh, in, in, that in the middle of the film, there's also... Now, but uh, we're giving it away. No, we are, yeah. One of the bank robbers dies, folks, by the way. It's sad. But it was way out there as a movie in the, in the 1975, I think this is made. Uh, so we're talking about a film that I am thinking is way out there, way before um, um, the the acceptance of... You know, this is... We're talking about a, uh, a movie that was uh, a general release. And you have all of these factors in it. They have uh, America, again, America uh, reassessing itself. Uh, mm. Again, America on television um, assessing itself as we go. It has all of those things. It is so advanced. It is. And there does also feature, just in case you're wondering, folks, because it does come up in most of our podcasts. Yes, there are piles of garbage on the side of the street. You've noticed that too. And I mean, that seems to be a feature have... of all our movies. I there is we... a dump truck, so I don't think there's a strike as such, but it's imminent. No. <laughs> <laughs> a- absolutely right. They do pick up, they did pick up um, the, the rubbish um, uh, indiscriminately. Yeah, 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 yeah. It gets cleared away. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there's lots of things happen in this film, folks. They order pizza. He orders pizzas for the <laughs> the, the girls. Uh, but the, uh, the girls, I think we should, we should talk about the. Um, uh, and then he pays for the pizza with the money he's with the money. From the bank. I, I know, but the the thing is that the relationship with the girls, because uh, of course, mm. in those days, who works in a bank? Ladies, Ladies. Uh, who's the manager of the bank? The mayor uh, man, and uh, mm. he's in the suit, and uh, and so you've got all of these sort of known knowns. So that that they're in there, they've got to deal with uh, maybe seven or eight uh, gals, and they're all very different. And I think they've the casting. Whoever cast this was a genius because all of the different um, you know tellers. Um, you know, have all their individual characters and they're all dealing with them in individual ways. And we have to leave that when you see the movie, um, you know, to your own devices when you, when you see it. It is beautifully uh, structured because you can't do much with this. It is a, this is a film with all the, it, it is done in kind of real time. You know, it's a two-hour movie. It is, and yeah. It, it takes place over a day. Uh, and it and it and uh, and it and it's one of those very small places like it's a bank. So what what do you do? You it's it's a a, a, a kind of a, a drama of characters and uh, mm. and and wills, the, yeah. the wills of one against the other. Mm. And, and that, it is that is it's well written too in that way that all these different characters are able to add a, a, a unique shade or, or a colour even to, yes. the, to the palette because yep. otherwise you would end up with you would end up with something that was quite uh, didactic, I think, in many ways, expositional and, and dull. Like, for instance, the there's a young teller there who gets a call early on and and Sonny, Sonny, <laughs> Sonny says, it's a phone call for you. <laughs> well, first of all, he thinks it's the cops again <laughs> and he goes completely off his nut and then he stops for a moment. I'll goes, kill them all. <laughs> oh, um, it's for you. Is anyone here called Jenny? And then Jenny, Jenny says to him, says to Sonny, he wants, to, my husband wants to know when we'll be done. <laughs> when will mm-hmm. I be home? 
<laughs> and then later on throughout the film, you hear Jenny on the phone again and again, talking to her husband. The yeah. first time is the second time is what well, do you, the, you can the, heat it up. You just put it in the, <laughs> put it on about one fifty for half an hour. And then about 20 minutes later, she's on the phone again. Just give her, a, put her on your shoulder and just give her a little pat. She'll calm down. She'll be fine. Obviously, talking, talking to her. And all this background noise. We say there's no soundtrack, but I think Jenny is the soundtrack. In fact, I think that's where the sixth mystery sixth Oscar went to. Went to Jenny for being the background. I, I think so for, for child rearing yeah. while, while being held up. And she's coaxing this de- deadhead, useless husband <laughs> through his evening Although whilst this- she's a hostage at a bank crisis. <laughs> <laughs> no, we shouldn't laugh. I am laughing at this. This is serious. We're, it we're, is. You know, we're in, a, in, a, in, a, in a hostage situation, but it's just such a screw up from start to finish. There's no money in the bank. Um, he doesn't want to go out. He knows, Sonny knows just enough to um, to know that he's going to, to, to jail for 20 years, which is yeah. does. <laughs> well, he, no, he does. Plot he spoiler, does. he does. But he got out um, in five or something like that. Yeah, six years. Uh, six years he was out again, yeah. and uh, actually, bef- before he left the film, before he left prison, he was allowed to watch the film. He, they were thinking they weren't going to let him, and then he said, "Well, if you don't let me, I will stir up the biggest riot in the prison that you've ever seen." And so, I believe that. So they did let him watch it. He was still two years away from being released, and. They he sat in a room by himself with one guard and he watched the whole film and he wasn't happy with how the, his wife was betrayed mm. and he felt that they suggested that he may have betrayed Sal to a certain extent in the film in that the F, the FBI guy identified Sal as being a loose unit which mm. he was he was he probably could have easily killed everyone in the bank Sal. Mm. Um, but, um, and they said to him, they sort of, the FBI guy kind of tapped on his nose and said to Sonny, it's all right. Don't you worry about Sal. I will sort him out, but you just got to look after yourself. And then Sal, and then, yeah, Sonny let that fly under the radar and, uh, never told Sal about it. So evidently the actual, the actual guy said that he, he never would have sold out Sal and, and, and never kept anything from him. And I but think anyway. you, you see that uh, when the, um, the there are different um, uh, levels of um, engagement by the um, uh, the authorities. Well, the first one is hilarious. Uh, the the first one is the uh, uh, was it Charles Durning? I can't I can't remember. He, the man with the megaphone. At the start. Yeah, he's great. And uh, what happens is, as in America, uh, that you get uh, two hundred and fifty cops. Uh, who all descend on the place all at <laughs> one time, which create more mayhem uh, than is necessary, which makes a um, but the media, TV loves it. Well, a media event of it uh, yeah, in the first place. Yeah, so right, the yeah. first thing that comes in is is the buses. The second bus that comes in, uh, everyone gets out of that has a camera. <laughs> so, yeah. So the second bus load comes in. So you know you're in a media circus, and this is I think this is uh, more of the film than the poor you know stooges that are in there. Um, you know, they've made a big mistake, but I think the film is more about uh, the, uh, as as you alluded to earlier, the twenty four hour uh, news cycle or whatever was approaching that. Again, in nineteen seventy five, was you know it, it was prescient that um, it becomes uh, a media circus that 
that mm. uh, the public come down to it. And every time that Sonny comes out to uh, approach the man with the mega, megaphone, the man the megaphone's shouting, and then he's shouting louder than the megaphone. And the fella puts down the megaphone. This is uh, the um, yeah. might be Murphy or whatever. Uh, but, yeah. And uh, they're just shouting at each other. They say, uh, yeah. well, what are you going to do to me? And then he starts shouting, Attica. Attica, Attica, yeah, Attica, yes. Attica, Attica, and that's uh, immediately everyone brings it up because, uh, of course, there was the uh, Attica uh, prison, prison riot. Prison riot, yes, and mm. forty people, as, or you know, it was something hideous that happened in that year. So it becomes the film becomes really much civilians and prisoners. That's were, right, and, were, and becomes a document of its time. So yeah. this is why a lot of movies. This is why I think it's good to talk about movies in their time it's not you know people would you know the attica might not not mean anything i wasn't born during that time but if you had attica there you knew that um there was there was dissent uh that there was police kind of brutality i'm glad it's all been cleaned up since but you have all of this uh background there and uh sunny brings this up and therefore wins the heart of the mob well, he does. He, you know, Attica was such a trigger word. You know, it's a phrase that we'd use now. Mm. Back in back in the day, there's other there's other things that are, are causing uh, sort of hyper kind of reactionary stuff. You know, in our society now. So it's almost as if that 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 influence it never, changed, never goes folks. away. It never no. goes away. But um, something yeah. something something gets replaced and. You know, once once the the fuse has been lit for something else, and so back in that that time, it was Attica, and the police were very sensitive about that because they really didn't want to be found to be killing civilians anymore, which was totally fair enough. So uh, they, you know, that's why they were so gentle in many ways with the robbers of the on that day, is that they firstly Sal was an unknown, which you have to be treated very carefully, but. Um, you know, in terms of Sonny, he he was kind of he was befriended by the FBI in a way mm. that um, I think oh, is reflective it, reflective of the times. It's a bit a bit of bit of coercion, but the uh, the first part of it, he says, "Well, so why am I talking to you?" The the, the um, it might be Charles Durning. I'm thinking he's, 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 he's but he does a great job because he takes off um he's big and fat and sweaty and he's mm. you know and he's he's a cop he takes says, i've got nothing here no i've got no gun uh, and uh, he's got the megaphone and they just end up shouting at each other and yeah. uh, no one shouts can i say that no one shouts like al pacino no, no. you know no one goes completely mental and you could tell that he's done the scene and the beautiful thing the star of this movie is actually the sound um, uh, um, uh, over, overdubs um, that, that go through it because he would say, they would say to El Pacino, just go mental, you know, in the, you know, just go absolutely crazy in front of that door and shout and shout and shout. And everything is then done in overdubs, the, the, the crowd and um, and the bullhorn and all of that sort of stuff. It's, it's a bit like an old Lenny Bruceing, like, all right, Dutch, come out. And, and this happens quite often. All right, yeah. all right, Sonny, come out. Yeah, and he yeah. does that, and he performs, and uh, and and Al does a really good job of it. Al, you know, this this um this uh, acting uh, is is breathtaking because he never quite loses it, and yet he goes completely crazy at the same time, and he regroups and goes yep. back inside, and then he's another person inside the bank, mm -hmm. and I think that is the the beauty of it. it as I said, it, it hangs together via Al Pacino. And he, it and does. He, you know, he deserves the biggest gong. 
Oh, I think so. Absolutely. But I, you know, I think he did a reasonably good job of representing the actual person that did that stuff on that day mm. because he, he caught the, uh, the sense, he caught the temperature with the crowd mm. early on and he was doing things. He was ranting Attica up, going up and down the street. When the pizza mm. delivery guy came, he pulled a bunch of marked $5 bills from the till and paid the pizza man who'd already been paid by oh, the I cops. I forgot about that. The, the he, paid, he paid him again. And, and he then throws he threw, them to the crowd. He yes. threw the money at the crowd. Now, that, they were totally crazy. Bust down the barri- barricades. The police, you know, momentarily distracted. Not that it played in anyone's favour. But, the uh, you know, that all actually happened. So when you really look at what that person did and, and why, mm. you end up with a performance that, that Al Pacino rendered. Mm. And, and, uh, and with that character, um, you know, Sonny was no fool because when he went in. That's there, exactly he, my point. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly he, right. He, he knew everything about the uh, tripping tripping lines or whatever. It wasn't probably, um, he, he sets fire to a bin full of uh, the ledger, which is not ideal. Uh, and no. so that creates a, you know, a um, that would set the fire alarms off, but he didn't. But, <laughs> but, but it, um, he, he nearly gets it right. But he, he's done his homework, but not quite. No, not That's quite. That's the problem. You know, he, uh, he, he's there, but he's not quite on the mark. But he's. Uh, he, he, I love the the notion about the money, and he, uh, you know, he thinks he's always ahead of the game, as all criminals do, yes, and he's not, yeah. unfortunately. But anyway, uh, we're skipping forward. We are. We are a little bit. So it's um, what's the uh, uh, one thing to be said about this film is that it does a, it does sort of break down into two halves there's a sort mm. of day time and then there's the night time and the night time it does slow down and it must have been difficult i think for the makers to find how to compress the 14 hours down into into how do you do a slow two. burn slow burns are very hard to do in movies mm. and they do some they do reasonably you know they show the complacency with their interaction with the tellers and the and the people working in the bank they end up becoming more relaxed with one another yes. so it, it there's a lot of time yes to uh, to which um, passing the, the, the other scene that, that i would works. love to do but it was something that was quite impossible to actually frame for people without seeing the uh, uh with getting the the forefront is when he's got the gun and he's teaching uh, the, yeah. the teller how to present arms yeah, and, yeah. and she says, how do I kick the gun? And she's kicking the gun in high heels. And he said, no, you do it like this. And he goes, and he, and he kicks the gun and it flicks over because he's a Vietnam vet, you know, we've got to give him cred. Yeah. And, um, and and he does it beautifully. And she's doing, she's trying to do it. She keeps doing it for the rest. Not only is she chewing gum for the whole, <laughs> oh, it, may, it may not be the one, but the, the, they're all individual. And there's one that, that passes the time by you know, learning how to present arms with his gun. Yeah, yeah. And, so, <laughs> and I think that is hilarious. That is, uh, you know, for those who may want to see the movie, that is the scene that I see the most hilarious because they're there getting, having chummy, you know, times with the men. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're almost, holding the hostage. It's almost like you would see in a World War Two bar scene where the girls are flirting with the GIs, you know, it's almost like that. And it's uh... well, the head, the head teller. I think we've we've got to give um, credit to her. Uh, her name is Sylvia, I think, in the film, and played by Penelope Allen, uh, you know, masterfully. She goes out with him and uh, says, "Are you going to go now?" 
No, I'm not going to go. I'm going yeah. back with my girls. Yeah, that's right. She, she chooses to stay. With so, well, the so bank manager is, does the this same. This is thing. a Stockholm. Uh, you know, well, it's not the Stockholm. It's it's loyalty to Americana. This is my. They're my girls. They're my team. The bank manager, um, who might be, I don't know, uh, um, Sully Boyer, I think Mulvaney. Or, I don't know. I, I'm thinking he's that. He is. Um, he goes and says, "No, I'm not going." So yeah. none of them leave because it, it is a loyalty to the bank. It's a loyalty to um, what they do with each other. In a way, it's a tribute to American loyalty to their jobs, which mm -hmm. I've always found interesting um, and, mm -hmm. and, um, and laudable. Well, and, and it's also because they're also watching themselves on television too. And this is where we get back to this media. This was a, this was a flashpoint, this event in terms of media uh, evolution. And sometimes evolution does happen with, it, it can spike. Just ask Charles Darwin, I'll, I won't go into it right now, but it's something to do with bees and, and uh, finches. But anyway, let's um, put um, the- Well, Darwin's finches. We don't put, have time for that. We don't have time for Darwin's finches. So That's another uh, another episode. Or his bees. But, you know, the this this did push- the media into a different zone because they managed to find a way to, to do things remotely. They had cameras that could send microwave signals and probably gave and giving the cameraman all sorts of cancer. But anyway, we won't talk about that either. But they did find a way to do that. And now they've, all they needed was an event. You know, they, yeah. the, the war, the Vietnam war would have told them, okay, let's not shoot on 16 mil anymore. Let's try and find a, let's, let's create video. Let's make, so, and all they needed was an event. And this was the event. I believe, as I understand it, that triggered what we now know as the 24-hour news cycle. Yes, and, and um, did you like the cameras that they Rod, run in with? It? They've got spaceship, oh, so spaceship uh, backpacks on. Well, that's because, and that's, I reckon the director made an attempt to capture that mm. evolutionary moment on for that purpose, it, it it's very explicit. It's I'm nothing, convinced nothing that Lumet was was on the on the nail here because he, he thought, well, what what if we had a reflect reflexive, um, you know, media that was that was bouncing back to the um, protagonist within, as they do. Um, this, mm. this scene on these tiny little six inch uh, television sets, which I don't remember, but I may have owned. And um, they, <laughs> and they can say, "I can see myself." I can see myself. So, well, that's what. So everyone becomes infatuated with their own situation within the bank, and I think so. Because Syl Sylvia's loving it. So yeah. Sylvia, I think, in heart, partly the reason why she wants to go back into the bank, she doesn't want to go out with the cops, is because she's mm. kind of well, part well, of the. Well, she just chastises and says, "You did not have a plan, did you? Did you have a plan? <laughs> you did not have a plan. This is a whim." You've done this on a whim, and and, I, but I, and, since... and, and, and there's a relationship being built there from that very early beginning. Mm. Well, it's always an early beginning, but when you, just, <laughs> I, you know, you did not have a plan, did you? And, he said, and Sonny says, "Of course, I had a plan," yeah. and uh, so we're losing track of uh, Sonny here because it's built around Sonny, but it's certainly not built around Sonny in terms of um, the the reflection of Sonny, because Sonny's uh, uh, relationship to the world. Uh, becomes part of a media uh, 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 frenzy because everyone outside, and we've lost track of the people who are outside, who are um, uh, who are mimicking 
the the uh, police chief and he says okay sonny and they go okay sonny come out now come out now and then when when they find out um you know through you know media you know situations that um he's gay and he's um and uh, he's there that then you get the gay community there and they're there (laughs) all dressed up and ready to go, and it becomes a real circus. And how? Uh, and I, I put it to you, Adam, and the rest of people out there in in, in the world. Uh, <laughs> how is this different from what is happening now in real time? Uh, oh. And this is why this film is so um, uh, it's avant garde. Um, well, it didn't mean yeah. to be. It's a it's a it it, it really is a, a kind of very flat retelling of things. But it is it's a harbinger of what has become it certainly it certainly tells the story of 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 the evolution of what is very much you know a common a common experience for us now in terms of you know dash dash cam footage featuring it's, at least we, three or four times every night on the news yes, and, and and we think nothing of it's exactly right but you know back in those in those times it was you know we talk about influences we talk about um Instagram, or we can say, you know, this it's this idea that you know fame is is available to you so long as you've got you know a fluorescent tube and a but, and a camera the beauty of this and an is, internet connection. Stanley Lumet can say we can use this because it probably you know let's say it did well it did happen that we can actually use this in a film and bring it into a film that all of these people from the Brooklyn, from the Bronx, who wanted to come there and be part of uh, society under siege because it's a siege film, of course. Mm. They're there, jing um, Sunny on because they either love him or later on, they, you know, the 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 other people love him, and then finally they reject him. They do actually, yeah, because of his homosexuality, they sort yeah. of. Do a weird thing where they turn yeah, on him, which a bit. is what what media does. It uh, what it does is it 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 it, it, it ex- well it explains, um, and people then take sides. So it's, yeah. it's an interesting notion that the well it the, explains things in a way that that in, is panders to people's intent in inclinations to take sides. Mm. So yeah, that was a big that was a big idea. Well, no, it's a very it's a very big idea, and even it didn't even come out. The, but even in the um, uh, inside, the, the girls are watching themselves on television yeah. and getting tickled by the fact that they're on television. And yeah, I, well, and, Sylvia, and, and, Sylvia doesn't. The craziest want thing about television is yeah. so ubiquitous yeah. that if you're on television for any reason at all, you feel kind of special. But in those mm. days, we're seeing it as being extra special. And well, yeah, in- that's right. I think Sylvia feels that in the first in the first instance, she wants to go back into girls, but also she sort of is loving the 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 fifteen minutes of fame. She's kind of loving well, that. You they know? do. There's Jenny, and Maria, and there's there's Miriam. They're, they're all there, and they're and they're all feeling a bit special. And Absolutely, they're all having, having a good time. And, and the the only one who doesn't the the bank manager doesn't feel special when he says, "I'm not leaving." But- that's I, reckon, I reckon he's he's really um, a, a good actor because um, I kept looking at that, the stitches on the top of his head, and so he must have had a conk in his head beforehand. But that's just me. The, <laughs> you are, but you have him. He always wanted to wear his coat, uh, yeah. even, even when he goes through um, his uh, his attack. Um, he doesn't leave. 
No, and, he doesn't. And again, that's another notion or a nod to American uh, loyalty to mm. the system. Not yeah. the banking system necessarily, but the system of, uh, of of doing your job to the best of your ability, which I you know I admire. That that the, is the American way. The he, human he, system. He's not leaving. And the, only, uh, and the and the only other character that's sort of caught up in it, even though he's not in the bank, who doesn't really buy into the whole "this is my fifteen minutes of fame" type thing, mm. is Leon. Even though the whole thing has kind of happened because Leon does need the money for his sex change operation, and if you don't believe that that we've forgotten about true, him, he, folks, he's one of the Sarandons. Mm. This is the facts. The facts are he that is Sonny robbed a bank to help his unofficial husband, man, wife, person have a sex change operation. Mm. That this is factual. This is the um, the the new um, well. Um, we have a, a whole new um, uh, language uh, language for it. But yes. um, I think um, if I'd done the scene, it's too hard to do. Um, but if I if I actually picked the best scene of this, I'm not saying I'm not not going back on on the notion of the show, but the 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 most heartfelt uh, phone call yeah. between Sunny and. Um, and Leon um, talking about breaking why, up essentially breaking well, up, but breaking up, but it, it is, it is heartfelt. And apparently uh, there were two monologues that they, they, they used and they strung together. And I think that is a very good bit of filmmaking mm. because you could do that uh, with, uh, it's like a method acting notion and uh, they're on both ends of the phone and I just, I just think it's heartfelt. So yeah. in the middle of this, you have this little love letter, which yeah. is uh, which makes the film longer. I mean, it's a very long film, folks. So if you if you're going to see this, you've got to you know be sit down and watch it for two hours. And but believe me, uh, after I watched it um, and I slept on it, I thought I've got to watch it again. It yeah. is one of those films that um, you it, it is long and drawn out, but it's great great uh, artworks are. And that that phone call is very very well done. And the Leon actor, it's unfortunate. Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon, that's it. Yeah, he is fantastic in this. He does. He's, to have someone who's got to, he's come from a psychiatric ward, and he does want a sex change operation. That's that's a challenging. Imagine your agent pitching that to you. Anyway, Sarandon. So and it's really well done. There's he's, this. He's, there's he's this part. There, <laughs> it's not. It's not meant to be confused or anything. But I think he's he's a, a fully, uh, a fully beautiful realized character. And Absolutely. I think that that I, I would give him ten out of ten for that job of mm. of being um, Sonny's wife. Well, in the in in the ways in terms of wrapping this podcast up, can I now tell you what I think the funniest line in the film is? Mm -hmm. And it's in that phone call. Yes. It's in that phone call. What is it? Because we see we Leon starts by explaining how he can't possibly talk to Sonny over the phone because Sonny he's is genuinely insane. He's been crazy all summer. He goes through the catalogue of all the things that Sonny's done. Sonny has threatened to kill him. 
Sonny has held a gun to his head. Sonny, yes. Sonny has done like this, I shouldn't this, be laughing. Yes. No, but this catalog of all these horrible <laughs> things that Sonny's been doing for over the summer as he's slowly descending into of this dog day summer. Yes, descending into insanity and creeping closer to the idea that, well, there's only one way to pay for a sex change operation, and that's to rob a bank. Um, as he quickly approaches that line, Leon goes into great detail about how life with Sonny is just horrid. <laughs> Which <laughs> and brings then, back to and the bizarreness. Yeah. And then, of course, not of course, but consequently, maybe even subsequently, um, Leon does try to kill himself. He takes a whole handful of pills and... He doesn't really know what they are. They're all like illicit sort oh, of drugs right. and at, prescription at, stuff. At his, at his home or whatever. Yeah, he swallows the pills and then up and the down as uh, it's a, up as yellows, blackers, sliders. Yeah, yes. so it all gives all these hip names <laughs> for everything, which are good. <laughs> That's funny too. And then he's you know he ends up in the psych ward mm. and he says, and then Sonny came to see me, and uh, I had to look at him because I just committed suicide and. And all Sonny said to me is, <laughs> all Sonny said to me was, Leon, why? Why, Leon? Mm. When things were just starting to get good. <laughs> <laughs> the motivation, uh, the motivation of strange people, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. What can what uh, more can we say? Anyway, I'm laughing because. Firstly, folks, mm. it is written in a way that is meant to amuse. Yes, and we haven't even talked about, but I will quickly uh, give the uh, the idea of the outside. Where I think the outside is as funny as the inside, because the police on the outside are eating burgers, uh, and they're um, they've got the guns all out all the time, and and, yeah. and they just just want. If the to... makers of Police Academy didn't watch this film, yes. I will eat my yes. hat. Yes, I love the fact that Sydney uh, Lumet said we are going to take long uh, and loving, uh, you know, shots of the police eating stuff, drinking stuff, being police pointing guns, <laughs> pointing guns, you know. And we haven't even talked about the FBI yet, but that's for you to understand and enjoy. Right. And it's and the crowd, the crowd in that scene, that is that is as the crowd is the is key. Accurate. They they made an attempt to make it as accurate as good. And there's a reporter on the night when that actually happened in the second of August, nineteen seventy two. Oh, you actually have happened. You've had read up on this. Yes. When the reporter re made the remark that the crowd there that night was insane and a real typical Brooklyn mob. Well, and, and and that's exactly what the no film represents. Than a Brooklyn mob. <laughs> that's right. Uh, God. <sighs> There's so much in this film. I really like this film. Do watch it, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Yeah, please, please, please. He got 20 years. Um, he got out in five. Um, he did. He probably didn't deserve that. And, and he's a good man. I'm thinking he's a good man, but who am I to judge? Mm, don't know. Well, he he died of lung cancer, I believe, in two thousand and six or something like that. Mm. Uh, but he he just lived a quiet life in New York, Wells, as much as you're able to. Uh, he did feature in the news after he was released. Uh, people interviewed him, and mm. he but he said, a, "What what did I get out of the film? I got nothing." Uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> 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 uh, maybe that's the true justice. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, God. Well, so, uh, exhausting. It was an exhausting <laughs> film to watch. Um, yeah. And an exhausting uh, film for you to watch again, ladies and gentlemen, watch it. Yes, indeed. And we're going to watch another film before now and then. Whenever I think we'll that have is. to. Yes, because we're going to have nothing to talk about. Indeed. And we'll pick a scene and we'll be back again for another What's the Scene? I've been Adam Jacobs. And I've been John Hewitt for the most part. And good night. Good night.